Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. Each episode, I interview experts and share simple and practical tips and strategies to help you take back control of your mental health and life. In this episode, I interview licensed therapist and sought-after relationship expert Nedra Glover-Tawab on how to manage difficult relationships during quarantine and what to do when outside is not safe but home isn't safe either. Nedra also shares some great tips on how to live with a difficult partner, child or parent and how to set and enforce boundaries during home quarantine. Nedra has practiced relationship therapy for 12 years and is the founder and owner of the group therapy practice Kaleidoscope Counseling. Every day she helps people create healthy relationships by teaching them how to implement boundaries. Her philosophy is that a lack of boundaries and assertiveness underlie most relationship issues. And her gift is helping people create healthy relationships with themselves and others. If you enjoy my podcast, I would love for you to leave a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. When you subscribe to my podcast, you will be notified when new episodes are out so you never miss one. Thanks again for tuning in. Now on to today's episode. Nedra Tawab, what a lovely honor to have you in the studio with me today. I'm excited to talk to you about a very important subject, relationships. That is your expertise. So before we start, can you just tell us a little bit about you and about what's not in your bio? Yes. So I am a clinical social worker in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I help people create healthy relationships. I work with a lot of folks with family issues by teaching them boundaries, assertiveness, and I help them to think about how their childhoods may be currently impacting their relationships. Fantastic. Well, that's a very, very important role that you're playing. You know, with this whole COVID-19 that everyone is obsessed, I mean, just all we talk about at the moment, we've, we've got to control the amount we talk about this. But in terms of that, we get a lot of questions around people that are forced to stay at home, but home's not a safe place for them, or maybe not an emotionally safe place or healthy place. How does one deal with the toxic environment in this kind of situation where you're forced to be there, you have no option? How could you give us some advice around that? I think it depends on the situation. For some folks, there is still some ability to leave the home and maybe go stay with some safer relatives during this period because you don't want to force people to stay in a home that they don't feel safe in. And domestic violence services still are open and they still apply. So if you're in a situation where you feel that you could be physically harmed or the children could be physically harmed, I would say still try to leave your home and maybe seek shelter with family or even a domestic violence shelter right now. If it's a situation where you're uncomfortable 
comfortable being at home, I think that's where you can start to implement some boundaries in the home. But again, if you're feeling unsafe at home with someone, it may be time to leave the home. So in terms of some of the boundaries that you can set at home, you know, this isn't the time to bring up all the heated debates, but I think this may be a time where you make sure that you take care of yourself. And a part of that may be spending some time in a separate area of the house from the person who may be causing some of your environmental stress or even talking to them about how they're making you feel and making requests for some changes in their behaviors while you all are at home together. I know that if this is not the time where you've already talked about some of the issues you have in a relationship, it could be very uncomfortable. So be very gentle about bringing up new things when you're sort of trapped at home with someone who may be hearing this for the first time. Mm, That's very important. So basically, some people might find themselves stuck between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, they have to choose the less of two evils. So first, I just want to stress that I'm very pleased that you brought up that domestic violence services are still available. And that if you are threatened, it's very important that you get away from your current physical environment. But then as you say, people at home, I like your suggestion of stay as much apart as possible as one solution. But then obviously, when you come together, you know, maybe mealtimes, it's obviously impossible to not bump into someone else in your own home, the establishing of boundaries. So how does one you know, navigate being in quarantine with a partner? You've already have been, maybe been having trouble with them before the crisis started. Now you're in quarantine. You've got to set these boundaries. There's already relationship issues. How do you do it? What are the first steps? And I know you said speak gently and be kind and look after yourself, but could you be more specific in terms of actual steps that people could take? Is there a time frame limit? Is there a way of wording things? That kind of thing. Well, I think the biggest indicator that you need some boundaries in the home is when you find yourself feeling frustrated or angry or upset or resentful about something. So whatever situation is bringing those sort of feelings up, that is an indicator that you need boundaries in that area. For instance, if you're at home and you're unloading the dishwasher and a thought pops in your head, I'm always the person to unload the dishwasher, perhaps that is the time to speak to your partner or roommate about assisting you more with that and not in an accusatory way, but hey, we will be quarantined in the house for the foreseeable future. I would love more help with unloading and loading the dishwasher. Mm, I love that. So to summarize what you're saying is when you feel that sense of frustration or irritation or maybe even anger, then to identify what the trigger was that set that feeling off. Is that correct? And then to see and then to actually bring that up as a discussion with the partner and you give an example of the dishwasher. So what happens if it was something more serious? Let's say it was maybe it's on a more emotional level. If they had an issue before quarantine, if there was an emotional issue going on or a specific relational issue in the marriage Mm -hmm. or in the relationship. Well, let's take a situation of maybe emotional or verbal abuse and you're having an argument and a partner may start name calling. I think that's where you start to issue consequences. If we're talking Mm. and you start to yell at me, I'm going to step into another room or I'm going to step outside for a bit. And when you feel like you can speak to me in a respectful way, we can come back together, but I won't be in a house and be yelled at 
because I think it's disrespectful. So it's not just allowing the person to do this because that's what they've been able to do, just yell at you. But to say that you cannot do this to me and this is the consequence for doing it. So we have to be in the house together. So let's be respectful. Mm, I like that. So it's actually quite almost confrontational, but it's not an anger confrontation. It's actually the boundary setting, as you've said. So if a person's yelling at you, you're going to tell them, if you yell at me, I'm going to walk out the house. And then the next time they yell at you, you walk out into the garden and they get mad and follow you outside and start yelling at you more. What do you do then? (laughs) I'm just thinking of a situation that someone actually posed to us the Mm -hmm. other day in a comment, actually, in one of our Instagram posts. I think that's where you say, okay, I asked you not to follow me now you're being aggressive. And if it continues and this person is relentless, I don't know if there's a place in the house where there is a locked door, but they're verbally attacking you at this point. And again, I think, you know, emergency services are still available. Crisis services are still available. So if you feel like you're in an abusive situation, I think Mm -hmm. most people who are not abusive would stop at least after you've asked them twice. But if it's a situation where somewhere someone is relentless, I think that it would be okay for you to say, okay, this is a situation that's out of my hands. And this may be more than I can handle in terms of being quarantined with this person or even this interaction. What can I do to take myself out of this space? Whether it's going to, you know, go in another room and locking the door, going to sit in the car for a bit, asking the other person to do that. If it continues to escalate, emergency services are still available. But in most cases, if a person is not abusive, they would more than likely listen to you continuing to request the same thing. And I will also say that Mm, that's very good. Yeah, I will also say that during this time, you know, what I mentioned earlier, you don't want to bring up those deep issues and start fights. Mm, That's good. So you don't want to say, you know, hey, I've been meaning to talk to you about this thing and you know it's going to cause this big blow up. Let's save that to after, you know, we have some freedom to move about in the world. I don't think you want to create (laughs) a pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good advice. It's not, this is not, I I just, I want to stress what you said, Nedra. That's so good. This is not the time to bring up those very, very deep things that need to be addressed because maybe you don't have somewhere that you can just get away. You can't maybe just get in your car and drive to a friend for the night or something. So it's good to rather just keep things as neutral as possible and save those. You've got time to think now. So it's maybe a good time to journal, maybe, Nedra. What would you say about that if, if there is something that you really want to deal with instead of maybe talking about? it now, unless you feel you can do it safely, is maybe to start journaling about that and wait until the isolation, the quarantine has been lifted and it is easier to move around. I think that's very good advice. So what do you think about journaling maybe or kind of planning? Because sometimes, you know, people have got time to think now and it can, you know, you things can boil because you're seeing that person every day and they may be doing things that are triggering you. And how does one navigate that? Yeah, but it goes back to the things that are triggers are indicators, again, that there are some boundaries that need to be put in place. And I think as people are at home, having to maybe homeschool and work from home and, you know, like having all of the multiple things to do and you notice yourself being frustrated and triggered 
perhaps that is the time to ask for something from someone instead of saying like, oh my gosh, I'm really annoyed by this person. What do you need? Identify your need, make a request and see if they're able to fulfill that instead of just sitting with the frustration and assuming that the person won't be able to help you or that they would be unwilling to help you. I love what you've just said. I specifically love the fact that you said we mustn't assume. To see if I've summarized this correctly, Nedra, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but those triggers are indicators and they're indicators that you need to establish some boundaries. So instead of assuming that you know what the other person's thinking, which I don't know why we do this as humans, but we just do this so often, we assume and then we don't speak and then we make these assumptions and then we bring those assumptions into the conversation. And most of the time, those assumptions are incorrect. So instead of living on an assumption, we need to look at our own needs and then establish some requests with that person based on those triggers and indicators so that you can then identify your needs and your requests then link into the boundaries. Have I explained that correctly or can you do a much better job than I just did? Yeah. And, you know, just to follow up to that, I think that When you assume, you create a story with that assumption. So you'll say, oh, this person won't help me because they only think about themselves. And you like you create this whole story where maybe, you know, a part of it is true, but in totality, maybe not. Maybe they didn't even know that you need a help. Maybe they thought Mm. that you really like to cook all the meals because you do it. Maybe they thought that you enjoy the home taking over the homeschooling process. Like, how do they know that you want help or you need help? Now, I think most humans would say, well, they should just know. And Mm. that is not true. Most people don't just know. It's not common sense. Anything that someone is not doing for us is space for us to ask them, can you help me with, will you do blank? If someone isn't doing something, don't assume that they know that they should be doing it and they just aren't doing it. That's excellent. Excellent advice. Don't just make assumptions. Don't just assume people know what you need and then get all upset when you don't get your need met. This is the space to ask for help. Very good. That's excellent. Now, it's vital to do everything you can to boost your immune system. One way is through proper hydration. I'm sure you didn't think of that. One of the most effective ways to stay hydrated is with Liquid IV, my favorite electrolyte supplement. Liquid IV comes in a variety of flavors. My favorite is the lemon lime. Liquid IV can provide the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water, contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. It's healthier than traditional sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and has less sugar than an apple, and it's non-GMO, vegan, and free of gluten, dairy, and soy. Clean ingredients. Get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code DRLEAF at checkout. That's 25% of anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Just go to liquidiv.com and enter the promo code DRLEAF to save 25% and get a better hydration. That's liquidiv.com promo code DRLEAF. Don't wait, start properly hydrating today. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. Okay, so... 
How do you live with someone who's not respecting the perimeters of a quarantine? So you've asked for the help, you've established the boundaries, and you kind of answered this earlier on where you said most people would have, you asked them once or twice, maybe three times, and then they should be respecting your boundaries. But now the scenario that I want to know about now is let's say that you've done that, this person, you know they're not going to be physically or verbally abusive. You know that that's not what they're going to be, but they're just not listening. They just really are wrapped up in themselves and they're just not respecting your space. Do you get firm? How do you handle that? Do you be confrontational? Do you get direct? I think firm and direct, particularly if you are usually passive. And firm and direct is not aggressive. It's not where you yell and scream and you demand. Firm and direct is stating something clearly and not apologizing for what you're requesting. It's also not assuming that your need couldn't be met. It's it's with confidence that you say, when I say this, this is what I need versus is this okay if I say this? Because that's, that's not firm. That's a question. And you mm. want people to understand that you mean business. And this is something that you really need, particularly, again, when we can't leave our homes and we don't have these outlets that we would typically have. You mentioned something about being at home with someone who's not respecting quarantine. And I've had a few questions about that, particularly for folks who are living with roommates where one person is serious about quarantining and the other person is living life as usual. They may be going out, they may be, you know, doing things that are not a part of the quarantine. And in that case, I think some of the boundaries that you could have for yourself is the self-quarantine in an area of your house that feels safe to you and set a boundary for that person to not enter that space because you're not sure about their whereabouts and what they're doing. I think it's very important that you maintain your safety because you can't control how other people are quarantining. That's the thing. So you may have someone in your home that's doing that. So as it can one be very direct with them and tell them that if you're going to go out when you're not supposed to, when you walk in the door, I'm going to spray Lysol all over you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally, you're not going to wear your gloves and your mask going out. Or can one say, listen, here your gloves, here your mask as they go out the front door, put them on. They may not. What do you do when people are really just not going to do it? Yeah, I think we can't control people. And if you know there's someone who's not doing that and you are, I think you can say, well, I will, you know, be in my bedroom and I would appreciate if you don't come in my bedroom because what I will do to protect myself, my self boundary, I will come to the kitchen, I will get my stuff and then I will go to a space that is safe because I know that you are not you know, maybe washing your hands when you're doing certain things or wearing a mask when you're out. But we certainly can request that people do that, but we cannot force them to do that. Exactly. So then we that's very good advice. So then we have to make sure that we are gentle but firm and then make sure that we have our own space. Then that can be your space. Like don't come in my bedroom because this is my area and I want to keep it completely safe. You are with absolutely within your rights to define your area if they're gonna break bounds. So I think that's a that's a really good point. I put up a post a while ago, you know, that popular saying, You're not stuck at home, you're safe at home. And while this is a great way to help some people deal with the current situation and hopefully the majority of 
the people, many people raise the important question, Nedra, of what if home is not safe either? How do we address this? I know that you've already said a lot about it, but I want to just re-emphasize on a scale of like from the dangerous, where they're going to get go leave the home, go to a relative or something or go to emergency services to emphasizing again that you can create those boundaries. Yes, you can continue to utilize those emergency services or even family members or friends who you feel might be safe even while quarantined, particularly at this point in most places we've been quarantined for, you know, four weeks now. So mm. if you have a friend who has been, you know, quarantined for four weeks, it may be safe to go to that person's house instead of being at home or to go to a family member's house instead of being at home if they're open to that. And if not, again, yes, domestic violence services are still available. Hotlines are still open. The police and fire department, they are still available to assist in these situations because what we know is in crisis, those sorts of services actually increase. So the essential workers there are working more, not less during this time. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for re-emphasizing that. Okay, what if some people find themselves feeling extremely lonely and isolated? I know you get you get this question all the time. I do as well. Basically, being home alone is not safe for their mental health. What advice would you give someone in that situation? You know, I've seen a lot of people on social media being really upset about like people going to the store every day and people still continuing to go to parks and socialize. And one of the things I thought about is what if those people are the people with mental health issues or substance abuse issues and this is the only way for them Mm. to sort of step away from themselves Mm. and to have something to do. So I think, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to say that we have to stop everyone from doing everything. But one of the things that we might be able to do is to be gentle with those people who are out and about even now, because people need to be busy. So if you're at home and you can't get out, I think this would be an amazing time to maybe start a project at home. If you're a DIYer, maybe figure out something that you could do or work on, finding a new skill. I know that I can't think of the name of the website, but they owe Skillshare. Skillshare, where mm, you can you can watch classes and learn new skills. Also, YouTube. I say YouTube University. You know, mm-hmm. it's free, mm-hmm. and you can learn all sorts of new skills. Whether it's you want to learn how to build a website, or you want to learn how to use your your camera, any of those sorts of things. I think just busying your mind so you're not so much in your head is good. Picking up a book. And reading is always good. Mm. Right now, for most people, my suggestion is novels. Do not, you know, if you're Mm. typically like a, I like self-help. And, you know, a lot of people aren't in the space of self-improvement right now. So grabbing Mm. a novel and getting into someone else's story. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful distraction. I agree with you. Yeah, I've 
I've been reading a ton of novels. I'm like, oh my gosh, where have these been? <laughs> oh yeah, you suddenly see the world so differently when you see a story. It's just it just takes you to another level, doesn't it? It makes you feel more human, more connected. You know, it also so good for intelligence. You know, so a lot of the research I do around mind brain reading is critical. When I was practicing on the prescription for my patients, I would always say at the top of the prescription was like, read, 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 read. It was like like one of the first things, build your brain, read. And reading novels is such a huge part of it. So glad that you mentioned that getting into another story is just a lovely way of just getting in touch with one's humanity again. So what advice would you give to moms or parents in general who find they're getting frustrated because they can't find some space and time for themselves? And you're a mom of two, and I know that you've got some great answers for this one. <laughs> well, one of the things that I have found helpful is waking up earlier than everyone in my house so I can still have a few moments to myself and mm. welcome them instead of like waking up to them. <laughs> so, yeah, just, that's a good one. <laughs> so, just getting up a little bit earlier and getting myself together and meditating, reading a bit. So, I'm not so. I haven't had any time to myself. I have had those few moments at the very beginning of my day creating a schedule just so the kids know what's happening next. Because if you don't tell them, they will ask you every 10 minutes, what's next? What are we about to do? Can we go do this? Is this next? Can I paint now? So if, oh, they're, gosh, yeah. so if they're aware of what's next, what they can do now, when they can paint, it just makes things much easier for mm. them to have that predictability in their day. And as you're creating a schedule for them, build in some independent play for them, build in some tablet time and TV time so you can have some time to recruit, regroup or make maybe jump on some Zoom calls with your friends or, you know, read a book or do whatever yeah, it is for sure. you want to do. You know, don't stress yourself out trying to be a teacher. Right now, I'm sure many parents mm. are realizing that, wow, we should really be paying our teachers more than we a do. More, <laughs> exactly. Essential <laughs> services. <laughs> yes. Wow. Can we get them some more money? Because, oh, gosh, absolutely. Yeah, because it takes a certain level of patience and aptitude. And it's like, I can't do it with two. How is this teacher doing it with 20? I don't get it. All day, every day. I know All it's day. crazy. Yeah. And they're so gentle and kind. Mm. And so we have to be gentle with ourselves because we're stepping into a new role. So we don't, you know, you don't want to shame yourself for not being the best teacher when you aren't actually a teacher. It's like exactly, exactly. <laughs> you're not really oh. a teacher. You're actually a therapist, and now you're having to teach your kid this stuff. So don't oh. beat yourself up too bad for not knowing how to do a job you weren't trained for. Exactly, and and they don't want you telling them when they've done something wrong either. If you don't know everything, and they get mad at you or something like that, those are some of the comments that we've had. Don't beat yourself up about that. Don't beat yourself up about it right now because we're all doing the best that we can. And it's important that parents let their kids know that yes. they don't have all the answers. I know a few times I've said, oh, I don't even know how to do this math. Let me look at this yeah. first <laughs> because I don't, yeah, I don't even go. know what the directions are saying here. I'm a bit confused. So let me read them a few times before I can even tell you what to do. 
And go to YouTube University. <laughs> yes, and go to YouTube University or even send your teacher an email and say, what is this saying? Because I exactly. don't know. Yeah, that's great. That's really great advice. I like that. It's, it, that's very helpful too. What about those that are feeling very hopeless and angry, frustrated, scared? What would you say to someone who's feeling like that? I think the five stages of grief, it's a very relevant concept right now that we're all moving in and out of this like anger, frustration, resentment, depression, bargaining, you know, like like this, we're all moving in and out of this and we are feeling very hopeless. So it's not a linear process. And I think even when you're feeling like those moments of joy, you may in 10 minutes be overcome by fear. And you have Mm. to allow all of those things to happen and not try not to stick with one too long. Their feelings and feelings Mm. pass through you. They don't have to sit for the entire day. And I think that this is a time where depending on what we're triggered by, because I think, you know, depending on the conversations you're having with other people, the information that you're allowing into your brain right now, Mm. it can really get you in this tailspin of more hopelessness, more anger, more frustration, and more fear. You have to be very careful about what you're ingesting right now because we don't know what's next and we don't want to take in things that's constantly triggering all of these uncomfortable feelings. So you have to have some self boundaries around, you know, the conversations you're having with other people, how much you're talking about COVID, what sort of news you're watching, how much you're watching the news. You have to start switching the topic when things become a little too much for you. And you start to notice that, you know, you were feeling joy a minute ago, but now in this conversation, you're starting to feel really sad because this person keeps talking about death. I think you have to switch the topic or even say to people, hey, I can't talk about this right now. Let's talk about something else. Mm, I love that. That's a great answer. Fantastic. That's so good. But I like the the concept of self-boundaries because this is something I teach so much on as well. Be very aware of the impact that you are having on others and that others are having on you and then do something about it. Don't just like slide into that and just go with the flow. You know, if you don't like it and it's affecting you, you know, move away from that person, stop the conversation, redirect the conversation, neutralize the conversation, that kind of thing. So that's really fantastic. This episode is made possible by my favorite bra company, Third Love. Why is this my favorite bra company? Third Love is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own with straps that won't slip and tagless labels so no itching. I also love how Third Love makes finding the best fitting bra super fun and easy. To find your perfect fit, all you have to do is take the online fit finder quiz, answer a few simple questions and Third Love will help you find styles that fit your body best. If you need extra assistance, Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are available to answer any of your questions over chat or email. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they are offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash drleaf now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash drleaf for 15% off today. 
The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. I read one of your blogs. You've got some great blogs in, and I just picked this one about Harry and Meghan. And I like that because you spoke about boundaries and relationships. So this is kind of going away for a moment from COVID and what we're all going through and just relationships in general. So I'd love you to speak to a little bit about just how you were asked to comment on Harry and Meghan breaking away from the royal family. And you, you made some very interesting observations. Would you mind, Nedra, just talking a little bit about things? I, felt it, I found that very interesting and useful, the information in that particular blog. Yeah. So in that story, it was about creating the sort of life that you want and how the life that you want might be in direct conflict with the ideas of what your family may want for you and how challenging that could be. Because Mm. when you think about the royals, you're talking about like this legacy and this sort of dynasty and all of these rules and customs. And now you have Harry who is saying, you know, I really want something different for myself. And I think on, you know, on the level of people who are not royalty, those things may look like, you know, hey, mom, maybe I don't, I don't want to get married or, being the first person in your family to get a divorce and doing these things, it can be really challenging Mm. to your relationships with your family, just having the sort of life that makes you happy. So you have to now make some very hard decisions and create some boundaries so that you're able to live in a space where you feel happy. Mm, I like that. That's really good. You made a comment. Hang on, I'm trying to find it in the actual article. You often talk about how important it is to create the life that you want, which you just commented on. Speak going against the traditions you commented on. It wasn't that. Oh, it was here. You said that it's possible Harry is only going through this change now because he didn't have the opportunity when he was a, in a young adult. I found that particularly interesting because that's a lot of what happens in society where young adults are kind of shaped by a religious upbringing or a belief system and they don't quite know you know as they're growing into going to university or growing up getting maybe when they first get married and and they suddenly realize which is what seems to have happened to harry is that maybe this is not who i want to be can you speak a little bit about that yeah i think harry I don't I don't follow the royal family much but from what I've seen he's been slowly creating a version of himself that is a little bit different than everyone else and I think him getting into a situation and seeing someone else living this sort of life that you're like, wow, you can do this and you can do that. And just meeting Mm. more people and gaining freedom and being away from your family, you start to see the things that are possible for you and maybe things that you really would like to do, which again, they're in conflict with your family. And so even when you're a young adult, if you're still sort of in the grasp of your family, it may take a little longer for you to start creating the sort of life that you want. So it may happen a little later in life and that's okay, but it doesn't seem like he had the opportunity to maybe do that at 18, 19 or 20, because he's, he's had this, you know, kind of microscope on his life and not until now, I'm sure has he had the chance to kind of sit down. And especially when people get married, you have to think about what the other 
person wants as well. And that's a part of, you know, being in a relationship and compromising and your goals sort of shift if they weren't there in the first place. It just might be a little easier for you to execute these things you really wanted to do because now you have support. Mm, that's so good. And you also comment in this article that family members might respond by pushing back, ignoring your boundaries. I'm just re- reading from your article or refusing to respect your boundaries in some other way. Also, your family could be so offended that it causes damage to the relationship. So how do you navigate that? Yeah. So pushing back is, you know, what happened in this situation where I think Harry, when when they announced that they wanted to maybe move to Canada, the queen came out and said, yes, we're reviewing his basically his suggestion as if he hadn't made this decla- this declaration declaration mm. of what he wanted to do. It's like, yes, we'll take it under consideration. It's like, mm. oh, that's pushback. Because what he said was mm. he is doing this and it's like, oh, he's not really doing this. We'll, we'll talk to him and see if he'll do it. So mm. that was a form of pushback. Someone saying like, are you sure you want to do this? Do you really think this is a good idea? They're going up against what you say you want for yourself or even, yeah, really upsetting some people. I think you know, not including people anymore in family situations because they've sort of set a boundary with you is a very clear way of saying that, you know, we need to move away from you because you're not agreeing with what we want for you. And you need to stand up to that and be firm and loving and kind and all the boundary things you spoke about earlier. Yes, yes. And I think yeah. for, for most people, it's an adjustment period. And during that mm. adjustment period, people will be upset set with you and things may be a bit uncomfortable for some time. But in most cases, it will come back. Now, I can't say what that time frame is. Sometimes it mm-hmm. takes months. Sometimes it takes years. But people are really, you know, you're especially with family, you're really going against something that your family was trying to teach you for years, Mm. for years. And so when you say, you know, this thing that you guys were trying to get me to do, I don't really like it. It feels Mm. like a slap in the face. And so Mm. it, it makes, you know, a parent sort of question like, wait a minute, Is does this kid know what they're talking? So it's an adjustment mm. period. You may be ready for the change, but the person that you're implementing the boundary with, they may not be ready. This is very new information for them. And most of the time when we do things like create new patterns in our family, whether we decide to move to another country or not be married or whatever those things are, when we do that in the family, we've had the opportunity to think about that for years. So when Mm. we bring it to our families, it's the first time they've ever heard it. And so there you go. It's a surprise (laughs) to them. And so they have to have their opportunity to think about it. And it's not going to be like, okay, I got it. This is what you Mm. want. In rare cases, Mm. people will feel that way. But more commonly, people need to sit with that information just as you've had the opportunity to think about it for weeks and months and years. 
Mm, that's and so you you actually have to give grace to your family members in that situation and try to stay calm based on the fact that you, as you've just said, you've been thinking about this for a long period of time. They're just hearing it for the first time, so they need a little bit of time. So to give people that grace and not get mad and angry and cut them out or whatever, but just give them space to adjust. Don't they need to? People often will say the wrong thing initially. They react and to not take those first initial reactions as what they actually mean. It's just a way of trying to process the situation and then to give time. So I think that's quite an important concept. It's good that we've spoken about this because I think this happens a lot and people don't know how to manage it. Yes. Yes, they do. Well, Nedra, this has been fascinating. How can people find out more about you? And we can put all these links in the show notes that you're going to tell us now. Yes. So I am very active on Instagram and my Instagram handle is at Nedra Tawab. To find out more about me, you can visit my website, which is www.nedratawab.com. And I'm sure you'll list all of that in your show notes. Yes, we will do. We'll put that all in the show notes. And just to end, thank you so much. Just to end off, is there anything that you are particularly, any kind of trend in the wellness, mental health, self-help movement that you are happy about? and anything that you're concerned about that's happening currently in today's climate? You know, I am concerned about the level of anxiety that will increase as a result of COVID-19. I do Mm. think as therapists, as people in the wellness profession, we will start to see more agoraphobia where people are afraid to go outside and staying in their homes more. Mm. I think we'll start to see an increase in panic attacks. Mm. I think we'll start to see more of an increase in just generalized anxiety and OCD Mm. because this has, you know, for people who've already had, you know, anxiety, yeah, mm-hmm. this has confirmed their fears, right? This is yeah, like, it really oh, has. wow, the world it's really seen- is a scary place. I knew it. Yeah. So yeah. I think therapists and people in the wellness profession will see a lot more anxiety and mm-hmm. we'll start to see it with all age populations. I think that we're mm-hmm. going to have to prepare ourselves for an increase. So I've been, I own a group practice. And so one of the things I've told therapists is I think this is a wonderful time to get more training in anxiety and emotions mm-hmm. and feelings, because this is, this this is going to be a really big thing because the news alone has just sparked so much anxiety without us even having the answers. So there's, mm. there's going to be a huge increase. So that's, mm. you know, it's not necessarily a concern because I, I think for, you know, for some time anxiety has been high, but I think just coming off of this, the next few years, we will see a bit more folks with anxiety. My hope is that there is, you know, more treatment available because, you know, it's not always covered by insurances. And I hope that some affordable care options come out of this because the rates of anxiety will go up. Mm, That's such a fantastic point. That's a great point. And ending off on a positive note, what do you think is good that's coming out of this? 
I have seen so much kindness. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yesterday, I saw a friend with a mask and I asked her, you know, hey, where'd you get your mask? I'm looking for a mask. And she said, actually, my friend made me one. Let me see if she'll get you one. And I sent a message to her friend and she said, yes, how many do you need? I said, oh, Oh, wow. And she just gave me the mask. I was, you know, prepared to pay. And she said, no, this is me doing my part. I said, oh, oh wow. I love that. So I think the level of kindness that we're saying, just people mm-hmm. taking extra time to say thank you to glo- grocery store clerks, people mm-hmm. dropping That's off okay. food to police officers, people mm-hmm. going shopping for the el- elderly population. I think it's just been remarkable how kind we are being to each other right now. Mm, I, I agree. I think that's beautiful. That And that kindness is just so good for the brain. You know, as a neuroscientist, we see the brain completely, because the mind's separated from the brain, but works through the brain. So we see when you choose to be kind, you see your brain optimizing. And as soon as you do that, you improve your immune system. And I know people are not saying, okay, I'm going to be kind to improve my immune system, but there is that side benefit. And I bet I agree with you. It's just so beautiful that like everyone is trying to help everyone on Instagram. You don't see, there's not as much negativity as there used to be. I mean, it's, it's always there, but there's just this constant, I want to help others. So our humanity has come out. That kind humanity, that kindness in our humanity has come out. And, and, and I love that. Well, Nedra, this has been fantastic. I've really found this very beneficial. I know my listeners will. Thank you for taking the time today and all the best for you and your family. Thank you. Same to you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then... I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.